Today on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Listen, our children's greatest problem is not poor environment. It is not a lack of education. It is that they were born a son of Adam, born by nature a child of wrath. If you don't understand this, you will implement a training program on your child that is flawed from the inception. Welcome to Know the Truth. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and today Philip opens to the book of Proverbs to share some of Solomon's wisdom about parenting and what it looks like to raise righteous children in a fallen world. It's a message titled, Keeping Dennis from Becoming a Menace. And if you missed the first segment of this multi-part lesson, you can replay it over on our website at ktt.org or on the KTT app or podcast. Just search for Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Right now, let's join Pastor Philip for today's lesson. Good parenting starts with good parents. Look at Proverbs 20 and verse 7. You see what I'm saying here. Proverbs 20, verse 7, The righteous man walks in his integrity. His children are blessed after him. Children are blessed when they are developed and disciplined and led by a mother or a father who is walking with integrity in the home. That there's a consistency, a wholeness of word and action, thought and deed, Go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and you have that portion where um, the fathers and mothers of Israel are encouraged in the Shema to um, love God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And then in verse 6 of Deuteronomy 6, we read, And these words which I command you today shall be in your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your children when you get up, when you get down, when you go out, when you're in. Don't teach them from your mouth. Teach them from your heart. If you're going to call them to obedience, let them see that you're obedient. If you're going to teach them repentance, let them see your repentance. If you're going to teach them prayer, let them see you praying. If you're going to teach them concern for souls, let them see you leading people to Jesus Christ. If we're going to teach our children, we've got to teach them from our hearts. We've got to walk in integrity in our homes. They've got to see the real deal spiritually because one of the great gifts of a parent to a child is a good example. Not a perfect example. I know the flaws of my father, but over the decades that I've watched him, he's a man that loves Jesus Christ. I've no doubt about that. I came down in the mornings to go to school There his Bible was beside the couch. I knew he had been there earlier that morning before he headed off to the factory. He has been a deacon in a local church for decades. Come rain, come shine, come snow. He has opened up the doors of Rathcoe Baptist Church across his life because he loves that city. He loves those people. Not a perfect man, but I love him because he's a Christian man the top of our stairs, he had shelves of books about Protestant reformers and Christian history because he wanted to remind us of the great privileges we had in our home and the liberties of our country. I love my dad for that. 
I never liked it when he took me upstairs and said, right, I knew what was coming. It wasn't pleasant at the time. It says Hebrews 12. I agree with that. But I never bristled and became bitter. Why? Because I knew the heart that stood behind the hand. And our kids need to see that. Frank McCord in Angela's Ashes, telling of his rough upbringing in the city of Dublin as a boy, he said this, I think my father is like the Holy Trinity with three people in him. The one in the morning with the paper, the one at night with the stories and the prayers, and then the one who does the bad thing and comes home with the smell of whiskey and wants to die for Ireland. As much as possible, our kids need to see one dad, not three, one dad who humbly, repentantly, joyfully, biblically walks before God and seeks by God's grace alone to raise his family. That'll work. And the kids will buy into it because they won't see an austere father exercising a God-given duty without a God-given love and devotion. Now, all of that said, why should we discipline? And what is the basis of our discipline? One, the depravity on the part of the child and devotion on the part of the parent. Fundamentally, here's where we are, the depravity of the child. Fundamentally, the necessity of discipline finds its reason in the nature of the child. Listen to me, folks. This is important. Unlike modern behavioral sciences taught by men like Skinner, propagated on the campus of most universities in America, unlike modern behavioral sciences that teach the moral innocence of our children, that our children are born as a blank slate tending toward neither good nor evil, and which way they go will be determined upon your behavior towards them, their behavior towards you, and the environment that affects them. They're a blank slate. They're morally innocent. What you do, what they do, and what the society does will determine whether they're good or bad. That is the popular perspective on children today, and that's what our society teaches. But in contrast, the Bible is clear about the fact that our children are born with a nature that is absolutely antithetical to God and is, is deeply opposed to what is righteous. Our children are not innocent. They are not good. Romans 3 tells us there is none good, no, not one, behind that face that looks like an angel. Beneath it lies a heart that will act like a devil. Our children are born morally and spiritually biased, not neutral. They are born with a curvature of the heart, their heart curves inward. They love themselves. And they will give expression to the fact that they are the little God in your universe. You better stand up to that notion from the earliest day. They are like an English lawn bowl. They are bent towards sin and the transgression of God's law. I don't know if you ever played grass bowls. We used to play it in Ireland and Britain. And if you ever played grass bowls, there's a little white bowl that you roll down the lawn and then you try and get your bowl nearest to the white ball. The interesting thing about a lawn bowl is it fits in your hand, but there's a weight on one side of it. 
And so you throw the ball out at an angle with skill, seeking to see it curve in towards the white ball. That's what our children's hearts are like. They're weighted to turn away from God. Or to use another analogy, they're like those carts down at Walmart with a wheel stuck. No matter what way you push it, it just goes its own way. Right? That's, um, that's the inclination of a child's heart. I, I want to say it. This is not the teaching of sociology. This is the teaching of biblical theology. Our children have an inclination towards evil from the day they are born. Psalm 51 verse 5 tells us that they are born and shapen in iniquity. But we're in Proverbs. So for a moment, turn to Proverbs 22 and verse 15. If you don't believe me, then look at Proverbs 22 verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of correction will drive it from him. Did you read that verse? Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, when the Bible here talks about foolishness, it's not talking about your kid knocking over the milk jug. It's not talking about little Billy coming in with a hole in his jeans because he fell playing street baseball or whatever. Boys will fall, boys will bounce, boys won't break. That's just the deal. Now, unless little Johnny was playing something he shouldn't have been playing, don't discipline the kid. Boys will be boys. And those kind of boys will become men. They'll fall, they'll get up, they'll risk, they'll try. That's not an issue of discipline unless he climbed the tree you told him not to. Kids are awkward, they'll knock over stuff from the table unless they're totally out of control and they're flaying like the blades of a helicopter because you haven't dealt with them early enough. Now, when we talk about foolishness in the book of Proverbs, and that's not what we're talking about, don't discipline your kid over those issues. Discipline your kid over disobedience to what the kid knows they shouldn't have done. Not foibles or basic human faults. No, the book of Proverbs, foolishness is a moral issue. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. The fool is right in his own eyes, says the book of Proverbs. The fool is disobedient. The fool does not obey the law of God. And so when this verse says that that kind of foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, it's talking about actually adult behavior where the Word of God is violated. And what it's saying is that kind of behavior expressed in adults is bound up in the heart of your child. Apart from correction, apart from discipline, apart from the grace of God and the love of Jesus Christ, your child will grow up to be an atheist, a delinquent, a lawbreaker, someone who's full of themselves. They may not be stealing cars. They may have a PhD teaching at the University of Toledo, but they will not give God the glory. They're full of themselves. Such foolishness is bound up in the heart of our children. And the Bible says you better take a rod early on and start to drive it out. Start to curtail and restrain that kind of thinking and living on the part of your child. Listen, our children's greatest problem is not poor environment. It is not a lack of education. It is that they were born a son of Adam, where Adam's sin was imputed to them. They have an inherited a nature from their great-great-great-great-grandfather Adam that has them inclined towards evil. And they are not only born a son of Adam, they are born by nature a child of wrath. Ephesians 2 verse 3. Our children are born hell-bent and hell-bound 
and their little hearts need to be subdued by the grace of God and taught the love of Jesus Christ. We need to stand in their way and say that there is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof is the way of death. If you don't understand this, you will implement a training program on your child that is flawed from the inception. Beneath that disarming smile lies a monster. You say, Pastor, that's too strong. No, it's not. A moral Frankenstein that if unrestrained and unredeemed will be as ugly in the end as the demons of hell themselves. Every child is potentially a juvenile delinquent. Look at Proverbs 29, verse 15. You parents better listen up. The rod and rebuke give wisdom. Proverbs 29, 15. But a child left to himself brings his mother shame. Oh, it's not my place, pastor, to tell little Johnny what to do. He's got to choose his own faith. Baloney. You leave that child to himself and his evil heart inclined towards all kind of wickedness will take him far beyond the Christian faith. Get it down. A child left to himself brings shame to his mother. The point is this. You cannot charm the sin nature in your child. It's too ferocious. It must be subdued initially by the rod, supplemented by reproof, ultimately waiting for God's redemption. Go back with me to Psalm 58 for a moment. This is a powerful verse. I've never really seen it this way before. I've always um, read verse 3, never went much beyond it. Here's what Psalms 58, verse 3, 4, and 5 says. The wicked are estranged from the womb. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they're born. Our children go astray as soon as they're born. When should you start correction? As soon as you can. Because they're going to go astray from the womb. Here's what the verse goes on to say. Speaking lies, their poison, that is the, the, their nature that speaks lies and lives in opposition to God, their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They're like the deaf cobra that stops its ears, which will not heed the voice of charmers, charming ever so skillfully. You know, the Puritans called their children innocent vipers. You not get that in many modern child-rearing books, that your child is an innocent viper. And I want to tell you something about your child. It's the same with these deaf cobras. You can charm it, but it won't listen. Which tells me, you know what this verse is saying? And you listen, every parent in this auditorium and every grandparent, talking to your child is not enough. You've got to smack. You've got to scold. You've got to spank. I've watched them in Kroger's charming their kid. Don't do that, Johnny. We'll get home. We'll get you some milk and cookies. Don't do that, Johnny. Dude, oh, I'll give you this and, and I'll do that. And they're charming little Johnny. And little Johnny is not listening because vipers don't listen. They can't be charmed. It's a facade. They bite with poison. Talking is never enough. Our children are rebels. And unless the grace of God cuts the umbilical cord to their rebellious hearts, they will live out whatever they are in increasing ugliness, and that is sinners. That's why the Puritans said, better whipped than damned. It's not that disciplining our kids physically saves our children. That's not what we're saying. But it does send a message that disobedience will not be tolerated. And as a parent is acting for God, 
the parent's actions is reminding the child of God that sin must be stopped. Sin will be punished. There is a price to pay for disobedience. Children are not fit to govern themselves. And empty-minded, weak-kneed parents need to get hold of that and start taking charge of your children. They're out of control because they're in control. They neither fear you nor God. You should be concerned for their souls in that kind of state. This thought, the depravity of the child's heart and the need to begin to drive that wickedness and waywardness, stubbornness and recalcitrance out of a child's heart with the rod, that needs to be done because that's the goal of discipline. What is the goal of discipline? The goal of discipline is not for you and I to feel better. The kids have been under our feet and now we're all upset and so we feel better. It's kind of cathartic to give the kid a good smacking. Okay, I feel better for that. I don't know how Johnny feels, but I feel better. That is not biblical. It's not the point of discipline. It has nothing to do with you and I feeling better. The end of discipline is this. And it's not even to modify our kids' behavior. That will be a byproduct. It is a confronting of the child's autonomy. Why have I and why do I discipline my girls in different ways at different times? Because my children are born with a sinful nature. And they will act naturally autonomous from God and from me. They will balk at authority. They will want their own way because they're like sheep going astray. They're like the wheel at the Walmart cart. They're just bent that way, hell-bent, hell-bound. They have a heart that has an inclination towards evil. And therefore, I've got to confront that from the earliest opportunity because I'm confronting my child's autonomy. Because when I remind them that they must live under my authority, I am reminding them that they must live under God's authority because my authority comes from Him. And if I let them away with things, I'm sending them a message that they can live autonomously. And so the end of discipline is to remind the child that they must come under God's authority through coming under the parent's authority. Proverbs 29 and verse 15 says that uh, the rod brings wisdom. 29, 15, the rod and rebuke give wisdom. What is wisdom? Biblically, it begins with the fear of God. What is the purpose of the rod? Why do we discipline our children? To create the fear of God, not in a cowing, nightmarish way, but to remind them there is an ultimate reality. There is a God to whom we are all accountable. And when I apply the rod in the light of the depravity of their hearts, I'm reminding them that they are born out of relationship with God and they need to come under His leadership and authority. And finally, in it, I'm awaking my child through the pain of discipline. And if you're going to discipline physically, it must be painful. That's why the book of Proverbs tells you not to listen to their crying. I mean, some of them are crying just as the hand comes down. They haven't even been touched. You don't worry about that. God's given you a great part of the body, well padded, just for the purpose. And the Bible says, do that, inflict pain. Why? Because you're sadistic? Why? Because you're following some kind of archaic philosophy of parenting? No. No, I disagree with Mr. Skinner and the behavioral scientists 
of our culture. Here's what the book of Proverbs tells me. Proverbs 23, verse 13. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod. A lot of kids always in that. What's the rod? It's a stick. It's an implement. And there's a little bit of humor and irony in that. This verse isn't encouraging child abuse to any degree. It's just saying, you know what? Measured discipline never kills a child. Applied to the right places, there will be pain, but no lasting harm. The Board of Education said, Billy Graham, applied to the seat of learning. That's a good thing. This verse says, Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with a rod, he will not die. You shall beat him with a rod, and look, deliver his soul from hell. Wow. There is the purpose of discipline, at least one of the purposes. The word hell, there is the word sheol. It's the abode of the dead. It speaks of the life to come. You need to start early because we're all headed to a destiny. Our children are born going the wrong way. They've got foolishness bound up in their heart. You've got to take the rod and begin to drive it from them. Remind them that there is an authority that's being enacted through their parents' authority to which they will give an account someday for their life and rejection of Jesus Christ or acceptance of him, how they heard or didn't hear the word of God. And so I've got to discipline my children. And when I inflict pain, I'm reminding them that there is a price to pay for disobedience. I must be courageous as a father and you must be persistent as a mother and discipline them because they've got depraved hearts. They must be saved and it begins in the home with a father and mother's love, with a father and mother's discipline, with a father and mother's teaching. Don't buy into the thought that I love my child too much not to discipline them. That's a lie. If you love them, you will discipline them. Hatred is not the opposite of love. Apathy is. If you don't discipline your child, you don't care for their soul. You don't take the Word of God seriously. You don't take sin and its consequences seriously. You take it too lightly. Don't give in to their crying. By God's grace, what you're doing will be part of their glorious salvation that will protect them for crying forever. Hi, Philip DeCourcy here. Back with you to say thanks for your support of Know the Truth. Each week, we strive to bring you clear and convicting Bible teaching on the radio and on the web. And we're turning up the volume on the gospel each and every day to proclaim the hope that's found in Jesus Christ. Through the daily Bible teaching on Know the Truth, I want to encourage you to grow closer to God, equip you to serve Him with excellence, and prepare you for a glorious future in heaven. And that's why we have carefully selected some biblical resources for you that you may grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Wayne, will you tell him a bit more? I sure will, Philip. Thank you. This month, we've selected a book that pairs perfectly with our current study on wisdom and parenting. It's titled, What God Wants Every Dad to Know. And it uses King Solomon's letter as a guide to encourage fathers to pass along God's timeless wisdom found in Proverbs to their children. And along with that, we'd like to help you share the truth of the gospel with others by inviting you to send a copy of Philip's book, Take Cover, Finding Peace and God's Protection, to anyone you choose. Just select a friend and we'll send it to them on your behalf. Both resources are yours with a gift of any amount in support of Know the Truth. 
Just call 888-644-8811 or give online at ktt.org. You can also write to us, address your envelope to know the truth. Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And if you're new to Know the Truth or have never reached out to us before, we want to welcome you with a copy of Philip's brand new daily devotional booklet. It's called Resting in God's Faithfulness, and it's yours just for contacting Know the Truth. Again, call 888-644-8811 or visit ktt.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse our website where you'll find many other helpful resources such as Philip's Truth Matters devotional, which points believers to clear biblical truth for everyday living. Well, I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. Join us tomorrow when Philip DeCourcy begins the second part of today's message on parenting. We're learning more about what it takes to keep Dennis from becoming a menace. Wednesday on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free.